Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with my co-host, the man who makes me refer to him as Mr. Eisenman when we're not recording, Ike Eisenman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can refer to me as Mr. Eisenman on the show, too. That wouldn't bother me one bit. (laughs) So how are you today? I'm doing great. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. This is going to be fun. (laughs) I'm excited about this one. Okay, so on, on social media... Every time you post anything about Fantastic Journey, which starred you, the great Roddy McDowell, Carl Franklin, Jared Martin, and Katie Saylor, but every time that you post anything about Fantastic Journey related, everyone goes crazy. (laughs) We've been getting so many requests to do a show on that. And the thing is, when I first met you, and I've told you this, I knew you from Witch Mountain and Star Trek. Okay, Mm. I did not know anything about Fantastic Journey. I've explained to you that I was really just a little kid at the time. And I say that because I want to have known that I'm younger than you. So, <laughs> so, but I, I wasn't aware of the show because I basically watched what my parents watched. Uh, unless I somehow discovered it, you know, watching, uh, reading through the TV guide on my own or something, which I read through TV guide as a ritual, but I, I don't know how this show passed me when I was a kid. And I'm upset because it is so something that I would have loved back then. So, well, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can tell you the very reason why I probably missed you completely is because it was, first of all, it was a mid-season replacement for NBC and it never had a chance to get a following. I mean, it, it, it after the first two episodes, it already started to stagger in the way the shows were scheduled. And I'm not exactly, I, I need, I should have see part of my, my own homework should have been um, making a list of the dates that the shows aired. Cause it would be like two shows and then, the next week it would be preempted by a sport. That's what I read. Exactly. Was that driving you guys crazy? I mean, I'll look at it. Yeah, we will. We will. We will. We will. Cause it's, it's yeah. Cause even I, I noticed there's, um, there's someone who I just want to give a shout out to because I think he has awesome, does awesome tweets. Um, Mr. Silver age TV. Mm -hmm. It's at Mr. Silver age TV on Twitter. And he posts got so much stuff about classic television. And he's been, he's been posting, you know, uh, on this date um tweets about fan- the fantastic journey yeah. episodes when That's they've it. aired with the promos i mean it's great stuff and i just noticed last i think it was last week was was one was was the ninth episode and then the 10th episode i ended up looking it up didn't air until june i mean it, it was right. like if that's correct it, it was like two months in between the last two episodes so it, it basically just got peppered in wherever NBC had an open, you know, an open time frame to just, I guess, just go ahead and exhibit whatever they had already produced. So it just, it, it, it had an unfair beginning in many ways, which we'll get into, um, and just didn't have a chance to, to catch on with people because, but, you know, even in those days when there's only three channels, you know, three networks running, they were competing heavily for audiences because you could only watch right. one thing at a time. So if you're watching one network, you were not watching the other two. And if you didn't, if you weren't really consistent about making sure the audience had a chance <laughs> to see a show and know that it was on, 
they'll forget about it really fast. And I think that's a lot of what happened. What you said, I've explained to my kids that again, you just mentioned the three network thing that these were the choices. That was it. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. there's no streaming, no other channels, no cable. Even well, I mean, I time. will say, you know, I'm, I can't discount all of, uh, you know, syndicated television, all right. the yeah. other, you know, the for, for the LA people, you know, channel five, seven, 11, channel 13 and it old movies and reruns of star Trek <laughs> right. and, and all that stuff that we ate up. But during prime time, you did not go to those. You, you watched whatever that was the right. best you know, it was the best entertainment yet available on television. So you were always making a choice between one thing, um, you know, one of the three. And there there it is. Well, I, I mentioned to you, like I, I, I mentioned so many times already on this show, you know, my favorite TV show as a kid was Voyagers. I loved Voyagers. Mm -hmm. Fantastic Journey had that same vibe at the beginning, at the beginning yeah. of the, show, the series. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It definitely, we'll get into it, but it definitely changed over time. And here's one of the things, we're in a tough spot a little bit because we're talking about the show and I'm trying to keep in mind also that we're going to be shopping your memoirs. So, so <laughs> I'm trying to give info and you have a lot about Fantastic Journey in your memoir and it's great. So people look forward to the memoir for Fantastic Journey content as well. So trying to give information while keeping a little something later on to tease. <laughs> to okay, tease good, about good. It. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be guided by your questions. That way I don't reveal anything you don't want me to reveal uh, exactly. today. So <laughs> well, I, I want to start by talking about how you were feeling at the time because you've been open about the fact that you were tired of the audition process and you were hoping for the stability of a tv series so this seemed perfect how did it come about for you well it, it um yeah i had really been um really you know it's the inappropriate word for a child but lusting after um <laughs> working on a series at a, at a very early age. And, and just because I love my career, I love to work, but I hated to audition because it was just mm -hmm. exhausting. And I, you know, I bring this up all the time. It was for me because I say this all the time. I really wasn't a performer by nature. I loved doing the work, which is strange because it is performing, but I loved it at, at that time. I didn't love performing enough that I looked forward to going to a casting office, you know, three different casting offices after a full day at school and driving around all over Hollywood to do this just so I could get a job. That was not fun to me, um, but it was a necessary evil. And so, of course, I, I did it. But and by the time I worked on Little House of the Prairie and I was, you know, watching these other child actors that had long running hit series, they, and they weren't going, right? yeah, they weren't going through what I was going through. Um, in, in, in the same way, I really envied that. And so um, the, my first opportunity uh, at a major pilot for a major series was um, a show called Banjo Hackett. And it was uh, starred Don Meredith. I was the co-star. I was the second, uh, wow. you know, the okay. second, second lead in the show. Had a huge cast. It was a Western, big Western produced by, um, I'm trying to think. I, yeah, it was uh, Bruce Lansbury produced it. And it was just, it was for NBC. It was kind of another kind of little house style thing because Westerns were very big in the seventies as right. well. And it was just huge. It was a vehicle for Don Meredith. He was, you know, a huge football common player then commentator of Monday night football. That was his thing for a very long time. And then he became an actor and got this opportunity. And he's fantastic. I mean, this is a lovely, lovely, lovely show. And it got, it got sold to series. And I thought, this is it. This is my little house. And for some strange reason, he didn't want to do it. So 
Oh, so he backed he, out. He had he the backed show, out. He backed out. He he backed out. That was oh, what wow. I remember hearing um, in the rumor mill because they usually don't always tell you why a show doesn't go. They'll just say I, it didn't get bought. Okay, so it oh, didn't become sucks. a series. <laughs> but I mean, this was a huge two-hour pilot. They turned. They ended up just turning it into a movie of the week called Banjo Hack at Roman Free. It's available on DVD. You can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> and it's really, I, I, I really enjoy it to this day because it's a wonderful piece of 70s um, television production. Really, really well done. So anyway, that was my first chance and it, and it fell through. And I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, I don't know. You know, it's hard. That's Getting a series is one of the hardest things to do in, in, in show business. Um, you would think starring in a movie is, but not necessarily. It's, it's, uh, it's very difficult. So then all of a sudden, I, um, I'm brought in to audition for this show called The Incredible Journey. And it was supposed to be a I just want to go back fiction. before, I'm sorry to cut off. So this, wouldn't they consider at least like just replacing the lead to on Banjo Hackett, just getting someone else to do it? Or they- I don't, was, I don't, you know, that's so risky because <laughs> you already, a, you're, I mean, the thing about Don Meredith was he had, he had like all three, of the perfect elements he had a great personality he was well known and had been known you know in the family entertainment arena through the his football commentary for so long mm. and he he skewed very very high with women women loved him and that's <laughs> you you kind of need that you need you need all of those things he was just one of those I, so no i mean it was never talked about i don't think they ever considered it um you know because then you're you're starting over, you're reshooting a pilot to establish now a new character. You don't just have a new actor just kind of take over, although it's been done on other shows more recently than back in those days. But I, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't think that was ever a consideration. And I don't think, um, you know, the, they would have uh, considered it. Um, so I ended up being called in to read for um, another pilot for NBC called uh, The Incredible Island is what the original title of The Fantastic Journey was, The Incredible Island. And I was completely enthralled. I was excited uh, because I ended up finding out it was produced, also being produced by Bruce Lansbury from Banjo Hackett and Leonard Katzman, who was a producer on Gunsmoke during the, the last stages, um, or at least during the 70s. And I had he had uh, he knew my work from Gunsmoke because I'd done three episodes of the show. Oh, okay. And as a matter of fact, what's funny is, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. But anyway, The Incredible Island, it's this science fantasy, I guess, is more what you would qualify it as. That was about the Bermuda Triangle, uh, you know, a group of people that get lost in the Bermuda Triangle and they're this island is broken up into all these time zones and um, the as we get there, we discover what's going on through Jared Martin's character, who you know does all the explaining for us, so that we and the audience has have an idea of what these time zones mean, and it, it's just this, you know, oddity out in nature somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle, and it was the reason that so many people have disappeared there, never to be seen again, because they end up <laughs> on this island. So the concept behind it was we there were different time zones on the island that would go into the past the future right. sideways long ways up ways down ways whatever it was going to be and so the pilot was heavily uh, skewed towards a these like 16th century you know privateers 
swashbuckling and capturing people and establish their own little fiefdom on, on, in their time zone or whatever. And that's one of the ones, the, the time zones that our characters fell into. And we have all kinds of adventures surrounding that. And Jared Martin represented the man of the future, the future right, time yes. zone, and what with it that that he was from, but he ended up in the past along with the rest of us. Um, and that was the it, it, that was essentially the concept. And we shot the pilot, it got sold. Uh, but and I was thrilled. I was absolutely thrilled because I thought, okay, good. I, I'm I'm finally getting my chance to do a series. I I was I was absolutely giddy about it. Um, and I knew that I had like 12 episodes, you know, at least 12 to 15 weeks where I was gonna work every day, no more auditioning. I was gonna, you know, have a steady job and get into a groove. So originally but, they, they picked it up for 13 episodes. That was a thing. Yeah, originally. that's that's that is usually the number that um that you know 13 weeks is a typical season for a network uh primetime series. Um they things change later. I mean, some shows would go into like 20, 22 episodes, but usually they pick them up for 13 and that's what they're you're contracted for. And then you see what happens after that once mm -hmm. it's had it chance to find its audience if it gets a chance to find its audience but then all of a sudden i got the i started i got the script for the next episode and it was called atlantium and which was like this atlantis science fiction environment and these characters end up kidnapping me and i end up finding out most of the cast has been eliminated i was gonna ask about that I'm gonna, and, yeah. and yes. um and including the character that plays my father, which was a hugely strange thing to have happen. He, and they tried to explain it in this very strange and half-hearted way about how, no, he was going on ahead to back to our time zone and he'd be sending for, you know, sending for me and I would be joining him soon. And I had this whole strange scene where I had to accept this idea <laughs> along with uh, Carl Franklin and well, Jared, Jared was moving along um, into the series. His character was uh, as well. And we're all staying there tr trying to make sense of this. And then we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, okay, let's, let's go along. And then the show just kind of went from there. Um, what they decided to do was make the pilot a two-part episode where the Atlantean sequences and characters were suddenly then cut back into the pilot mm -hmm. and to weave these two two parts together and and blend them so that we they could then carry the series in the direction they wanted to go because the decision was NBC wanted it to be more science fiction and less historical i guess the historical parts of it were too expensive it was it was going to be a, a costly production but that was the reason <laughs> yeah I, I think so i you know i think so but also sci-fi tv was really big in the 70s true, especially true. like 70 76 or 75 um 76 77 <coughs> um i mean there's so many you google them and you've got everything from logan's run to of course a bionic man bionic woman and all these really really great shows so they just really decided that they want to make it more science fiction so we were only going to go into future time zones and we were only going to go into science fiction related time zones 
period. And um, that's where the show just it just took a left turn. And that's where they wanted to go. It was fine with me because I love science fiction. I love right, doing right. all that stuff. Um, but it, 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 I can't say it caused me concern necessarily. It was just, I thought, okay, if this, if this, if this makes it a more appealing show for the market, I'm all for it because this right, right, right. betters its chance of succeeding and continuing on and perhaps, you know, going into a, a second season. So I think the thing I was the most excited about these change regarding these changes was bringing Roddy McDowell into the show because I mm -hmm. just I'm going to ask about him yeah, also. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that. But that was the thing I was even more as as excited about as just getting a chance to do a series. So that's kind of how it evolved. It was very weird and strange and choppy and 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 odd and another thing about the the, um, the original pilot he wasn't going to go along with us anyway but desi arnaz jr played a character in the original pilot because one of the things they storylines they featured regarding the island was the crash and i forget what the flight number was called i should know this by heart but that famous um flight of six or nine aircraft that flew over the bermuda triangle right, all of them right, disappeared right. they have recordings of the radio broad broadcast from the planes talking to the ground and then all of a sudden boom they just they just go off the radar and they never just, find just a to, single plane just to interject one thing for a second I mean, because you were yeah. talking about that i don't know if anyone remembers this at the time in the 70s the Bermuda Triangle was everywhere. It was like such a big thing that there were all these documentaries on TV. I mean, I think Leonard Nimoy had the In Search of one, one of the episodes as well. As yeah. But there was all these things about what's going on in the Bermuda Triangle. And it was like fascinating. It was, it was like perfect timing because that was like all in the public consciousness at the time. Oh, yeah. And I consumed that stuff like crazy. I was, I was fascinated by all the supernatural or paranormal or or strange things that happened and and you think about yeah it was it was it was absolutely everywhere uh, there were you know there were books and and they would do these historical you know look backs to ships i mean ships that disappeared that they were never able to find and and all kinds of things so yeah it was a really big deal and so this concept fit perfectly within kind of, yeah the, the 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 pop culture fascination with the Bermuda Triangle uh, at the time, so they made it a point to put in um, one like one of the crashed airplanes from the flight in the episode, which you actually see. But what we don't see is the entire storyline that was cut out, where that pilot got captured by the privateers, and he was also in a jail cell with our lead characters, and we all rescue everyone, but Desi Arnaz Jr. ends up getting killed. Um, so he so was, he was only not going to go on pilot. in the show. He was just, in that no, he was not going to go on. He was going to get killed, um, which we all knew. And, and, and then when they, when they recut the pilot, adding this, the Atlantium sections to it, Desi Arnaz Jr. was gone. I mean, they just cut him out of the whole show, which really fascinated me. Cause I thought, geez, you know, it was my first experience was seeing how, how easy it was to eliminate a character that had scenes with other characters and was part of the show. No, I'm sure. Wasn't he like a big name though at the time? I mean, really? Was, wasn't I don't, he... you know, I don't know how, yeah, he was, he was popular. Um, I know he did variety shows. He did things with his, 
you know, with his parents. Right. Um, he was he was acting. So I mean, even Desi Arnaz himself came to the set to to say hi because we were actually shooting oh, on great. at Screen Gems, which was um, it was called Screen Gems. It was a studio lot that was owned by Desi Lu Productions, or it used to hit. It had been owned by them at one right, time. Right. I don't know if they still owned it when uh when we were working there but it was the same lot that they shot star trek on and all you know all, all kinds of other shows what was desi so like he i i didn't really get to meet him he oh. it was like it was like <laughs> he was there just came in to say hi i met him i got to shake his hand and and he shook everybody's hand he watched desi uh desi jr's scene death scene and then uh <laughs> then he took off so it was it was kind of it was very much like having T television royalty just sure. visit the set you know he had all these people around him and he was much older um at, at, at that point as, as well but uh it was just really neat it was just neat <laughs> well i, I want to ask that because you're you were a big star trek fan even beforehand and mm -hmm. you you know even before wrath of khan so dc fontana was involved in the series which who wrote so many great star trek episodes yeah was involved with fantastic journey were you were you familiar with her already, or just you found I out about her? Because I heard her name, and of course saw her name on one of the scripts, um, <clears throat> and I could be—I I believe this is accurate—that um, she was not only brought on to write a script, but she was brought on as a story uh, consultant just to help guide the show in the science fiction direction based upon her experience with Star Trek. And I think she went back to Wild Wild West as well. Which is one of my absolute all-time favorite shows. Yeah, great period. Um, I, I was aware she had been involved in the original Star Trek, and there were other people on our crew uh, that were involved in the original Star Trek, which just lent—I mean, just made it really neat. It made, just made it very cool to have people from that show working on on yeah. our on our show. And I, I just thought, I, you know, hey, every little bit, every little bit helps. And so. I didn't necessarily know who she was as a writer, but um, but I really enjoyed the scripts that were coming our way. I mean, um, I, I don't remember exactly which one uh, she wrote, but the, you know, the, the science fiction thing, like I said, was fun for me, and 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 I was enjoying reading the stories, and couldn't wait to go to work each week and see what kind of crazy stuff we were going to do. <laughs> well, I, one of the things I did mention to you, I mentioned this to you up here, how I was jealous of you, besides being in a, in a great sci-fi show. I mean, you were a teen at the time, and I, I see all the 70s fashions on the women there. I would have been going crazy being on that show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was very well, jealous of you when I saw this. Well, <laughs> these episodes. <laughs> well I, we don't have to go into detail about no, it, no but it details, certainly was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting time for to be sure to be a teenager. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, well, that'll be in the map. No, it won't. <laughs> but anyway, so you mentioned that this was a mid-season replacement. I mean, for us simpletons, what's the basic difference? So there are shows that are saved in storage in case one gets canceled. Is that what? Yeah, works? exactly. Because it happens very, very frequently. No matter, you know, the best of intentions doesn't always lead to a quality show or show people want to see and so they'll air the first four or five or six episodes and if if it's not doing well they will drop it and replace it with something else and i don't know how they how the networks i, I was never privy to how the networks determined whether or not 
they were producing another series as a mid-season replacement or not, or 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 it was going to be part of the main um, offering when new shows come out during uh, you know the, the the broadcast the new broadcast seasons. But we knew going in that we were going to be a mid-season replacement. You knew this. That's what I'm saying. Is it is it deflating yeah. at all that you like you're not picked up right away that you have to wait? Well, it is uh, that that definitely that definitely handicaps uh, a show because right. you're thinking, okay, we're now coming in late. We're not part right. of that big beginning of the of the season constant barrage of advertising mm-hmm. about it. So you just hope that people get a chance to see it and and enjoy it even though it's coming in late very much late people are already kind of committed to the shows they want to watch and so therefore it makes it a little bit more difficult for a show that comes in in the middle um so i knew that going in we knew it because of pretty much the point at which the pilot was going to be produced it was just it was too late in the late in the game in the game right to be to you know to come in uh to come in early and they didn't want to they didn't want to wait till the next season. You know, they wanted to go ahead and get the show out. The network, the network liked it enough you know, for uh, to to move along and, and and push it even as a midseason replacement. But that that was they, a little bit of like, mm, oh well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> they, they they liked it enough to air you against the Waltons and Welcome Back, Connor. I mean, good luck with that right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> the Waltons didn't have, um, you know, didn't have Ryder McDowell, so there's that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well like i said the show the show is on plex now that's where i got to see it now and mm, okay. uh it's a, a free streaming service for anyone wanting to watch it now uh i was trying to get them all in i did not get them all in before airing but i'm going to finish it <laughs> but the thing that struck me the most and i've said this to you i'm watching and you you just mentioned it a few minutes ago is when they took your parents away at the end <laughs> of the of the thing and i've talked to you about this before off the year it it just struck me and i'm like i'm watching i'm like what the hell <laughs> you know i'm thinking it, it's because there there were no parents involved because there have been other shows with it so it wasn't that wasn't the big deal to me that there were no parents involved the you know the kid is trapped in a strange place without a parent but we were starting with the parents they were trapped with you and i'm and i'm gonna say i like i said i do like the show and I know that I'm looking at it from an adult lens now, but I know as a kid, I wouldn't have even questioned it. But And I watched contentedly. But Scott, your character was just like, my parents are gone, shrug, and go on. And they're, oh, they're fine. So what were you thinking when you saw the script? I mean, right off that all these were written out was, you know, were you thinking like, this is, this is so strange, so bizarre? Oh, 100%. I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't believe that that's what they were doing. But see, I... I was as much as aware as I was, I wasn't always, you know, I, I, I didn't know how they made these decisions. Um, I, I could see how we had a bloated cast. We had a lot of characters and that's not always easy to do going forward. How do you follow all these characters stories? And usually it's better with a tighter, smaller group because um, you can separate people out and put them in jeopardy. Um, and then you still have enough to come together to get, you know, to get through the adventure successfully, et cetera, et cetera. But when you've, when you've got like seven people, I mean, there are eight, I don't even remember how many, exactly how, how many it was. 
Um, then you have to have guest characters come on the show. That's just a lot. It's just very, I don't know, convoluted, I think. But the fact that my father was not going to be there right. was just totally and completely bizarre to me. And then when I read the words about how they explained it, I thought, man, no one's going to believe this. I mean, how are they <laughs> going to believe this? And then I realized, how am I going to act this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to act this because I'm supposed to be now sad, disappointed, abandoned, but resolved. I, I mean, so much happened had to happen in that awkward scene that that I I I just I I just did the best I could, and not even the director, as I recall, he he just kind of said, "I do the best you can with this." <laughs> um you know just do the best you can so it was very hard i had to you know, i had to think it through in my own head even around the words to kind of like get my emotion in the right place or my confusion and disbelief in the right in in, in the right place to just make it work well like i said i i wouldn't even i probably wouldn't even question it at the time i really wouldn't have as a kid if i was a kid watching it as an adult now i'm thinking there's no way I'm just leaving my kid behind. Like, oh, my kid will be fine. <laughs> it's strange. There's not, I'm not going anywhere. What, well, what do you remember or the cast remember hearing about it at the time? Did they give you a reason why they cut the parents out? No. I mean, they just, they just said, we're taking the show in a different direction. And um, some, of, some, some of the cast is not going to go along, oh. but some of them are. And I just, I literally just felt selfishly lucky that I was you, one of the ones that went along. But then again, you got to, that's part of the formula. You've got to have a kid in the show. And, mm. um, and, and to be honest, I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't dislike it. I I, I liked it because <laughs> more, I, more screen time for you. <laughs> well, not it's not so much more screen time, but I got to do more kind of adult things than uh -huh. I was doing kid things. Because when you have a parent, then you then I mean I'm not saying it would have bothered me to, to for for it to go this way, but then all of a sudden now you're a kid being your child being shepherded by a parent, so they're going to teach you lessons and they're going to help you and they're going you're going to have to make childish mistakes and all of that. And I really did didn't have to do that once they made right. those changes it was just it was it it, it it was just surprising to me and it was also just incredibly awkward to try to get through that that one scene to transition away from it but then of course once we transitioned away from it, it was never brought up Put ever up again, again. <laughs> yes, I, I mean it was i mean uh, until a certain point yeah there was a certain point in that that episode i think where 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 they still used my father as a draw or something like that but 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 after that yeah that was it up oh, gone you know hopefully we'll get back home but you no know one, no one heard from any of the actors again about that you know did they reach no. out to anyone no no that's i don't i don't know how it works if that happens at all that's i know you know the thing is it's a business and, and right. when you're done you're done and everyone moves on and and that's 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 pretty much it <laughs> was, it, was there any sort of worry that like you know hey any of us could be next was there like any of that on the cast i don't think so no i didn't no. feel that i didn't feel that way no one else really felt that way um and it was never really never really talked about it i mean once we had an established established cast it was it was just it was a strong group interesting characters and so i didn't see any any risk of that until 
until <laughs> one of the cast members took themselves out, but we'll get to that. Right, right. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that. Believe <laughs> now, there, I, I just want now in regular series, is that like, a, is that like a fear in like regular, can it happen in a regular series that, you know, someone just be written out? I mean, I, I have seen shows like someone's written out of a show um, because they're not testing well or something. So is that like, can that happen often or something? I, yeah, it can. Um, it, it, it can. Some people don't want to continue to do a show for whatever reason. And sometimes producers don't want to, you know, perhaps don't want to work with an actor and they, you know, for whatever reason, and they want to write them out or sometimes, you know, sometimes some, but not in those days so much characters were always pretty much there for the long haul because you mm -hmm. needed that you needed that you couldn't have characters <clears throat> coming and going unless unless it was like something like little house where inevitably characters are going to grow up and they're going to change you know the, the children were going to get married and maybe they would leave and move on you know do they all really stay there and you have to make creative decisions about those things um and then new characters come come on shows like that and um you know to to reinvigorate uh, the the franchise and the, and the you know long running entertainment value of the show so it 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 does happen I can't think of any instances um, that that I know of where I was suddenly surprised that a character wasn't going to be on a show anymore um, you know and sometimes after a, a few seasons maybe one of the actors wants way too much money um, to, to, to keep going. And if they do, then it's like, well, you know, we're not going to pay that. Well, then I'm not going to do it. Well, okay, fine. And then they're written out. Police um, company we're talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Katie Saylor comes onto the show. Yeah. She did not have many credits before fantastic journey. I think her mm -hmm. biggest role was invasion of the B girls, which, which I haven't seen, but judging by the clips, I'm going to need to. <laughs> but, and, uh, <laughs> And I don't know how much we should talk about Katie because you have a great, great Katie Saylor story in your memoir, but let's leave it at that. She was not beloved on the set, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, we, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll save part of that story for, for the memoir, but, but yeah, no, Katie Saylor um, was just, she was my first actual experience with a diva on set. I mean, someone who just, she just came on like she was the biggest star on the planet and expected to be treated that way catered to um we were constantly having to work around her being late to the set she spent a long time in makeup she would treat she treated the crew terribly um none of us really got along with her and it it just it it, it was it was really a bummer because i you know i even had conversations with with roddy about this because I just would ask him, I, I don't, I would always say, this is the most fun business you can be in. And we're so privileged and fortunate to be a part of it. Why would you do something to make the job hard or uncomfortable for anyone? Because everyone's there, you know, most, you know, most working environments for people in jobs they enjoy are very supportive. Everybody supports everybody else. And you're there for each other, which is what makes it rewarding. And that was something that was very, um, it was very important to me and something I enjoyed greatly about being on film and television, television sets um, and productions because everyone loved their job. Everybody did. No one was disgruntled. And because of that, 
great work gets done and everyone's having a good time. And, you know, you, you, there are problems, there are personality conflicts occasionally, but that all just, you know, is par for the course. Right. But when someone like Katie comes in, making things <clears throat> difficult instantly, just instantly. And it was just like, man, I really don't like her. <laughs> you know, nobody, nobody did. I'm, I'm shocked because some, to me, it's like, look at your credits, look at your resume to see where you rank in the pecking order. And uh -huh. to, for someone that did not have many credits and had been like in like kind of like literally a B movie, you know, <laughs> you know things can go to people's heads. Uh, you know, she also could have just been someone who her ego got the best of her because she went from doing, you know, yeah, a small, like a, a nothing. I, I, I haven't even seen clips of that, whatever that film was. She invasion did. of the p girls yes. yeah and then and then now she's starring on an, on an nbc uh co-starring on an nbc network series and i it, she just she just it, it was just all it was just all very strange but we I basically just ignored her we just ignored her yeah. you know that's so i have a surprise for you coming in live from studio city los angeles katie sailor Katie, thanks for joining. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted to see your face. <laughs> I, I swear. Well, the, the funny thing is, if you could have found her, you would have, you would have, you would have been more successful in journalism um, than anyone on anyone ever, because no one's ever been been able to figure out what happened to her. And we'll get to that later. I, I think I could have found it. I think I could have found it if I actually looked. I, 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 if you want her on the show, I will find her. I give, give you my guarantee now. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think we need to go. There. <laughs> so she so she didn't make it until the end of the show she left with a couple of episodes left so so what happened what did you hear that happened and what did happen i don't know I, no one really knew um she was disgruntled from day one um and there were some you know, situations that occurred on on set um, yeah, and this is hinting at my story that right. I had something to do with and Ryder McDowell had something to do with. And Oh, you, they, they, they did say that you were to blame. They had, they said, no, that no, no. I'm saying, okay. I'm saying I feel, I bear oh, a you certain feel level of responsibility, okay. <laughs> um, because I, I participated in, in, um, you know, in, in a little semi revenge scheme that was, that was completely anonymous, but, but. <laughs> But Until other now. members of the crew were getting tired. <laughs> they were getting tired of her shenanigans as well, and and you know, mouthing off back at her, and she wow. didn't like it. She just didn't like it. I don't think she really wanted to be an actress. I don't think she liked the entire environment. Um, you know, because for some people, it's just too demanding. So no one had a reason. No one understood why. But it was her choice. She quit. She said, what? "That's it. I'm not doing it anymore." And we were getting ready to shoot the next episode of course which she was prominent in as every every one and then that morning monday morning we got we had an entire an entirely new script which wow. rarely happens it's an interesting little detail that I, I i love to to reflect back on because when you get a when you get a script, a script whether it's a movie or a tv show you all the pages are white and then there's a hierarchy of pastel colors that the, when when pages are rewritten or they have scenes where they need to rewrite something, change some dialogue, change some direction or whatever it is, they would type back in the days when people typed, um, <laughs> they typed the new pages in a different color and it would start out you know, yellow, gold, pink, light blue, purple, and it would move on down to based upon how many changes there were. So you always expected those because everyone was constantly rewriting everything all the time. 
Um, and then there'd be little asterisks in the, in, the, in the body of that page that would show you where the change was made. It was an edit that mm -hmm. happens. It got cut out or there was something was different. So you had to make sure you were, con we were constantly having to re you know, read our new pages. Our new pages would be in our dressing rooms every morning. Well, that day <laughs> we got a brand new script. It was all in yellow. And I went, I would just went, what is going on? And they, the producers came around and said, Katie Saylor has decided to leave the show. Wow. We're going to move on without her. Here's our new script. Um, and Roddy and I had the first lines of dialogue that explained that, oh, she just decided to go back to her own time zone and, um, or whatever it was and we just we're just casually walking along and saying oh well katie it's not katie's gone i can't remember her character's name <laughs> she's um is it liana uh, or something? ilana ilana liana, liana. liana or ilana, liana. Or something liana yeah. uh, something like that yeah yeah nope she's decided to move along i was like oh okay well <laughs> there we go and then another character was gone and it just it really cracked me up <laughs> Because this this was her last credit. This is her last credit on IMDb. Yeah, she, <laughs> Nothing she, after this. There was no news about her other than she left the show. No one ever heard anything about her ever again. And when I was researching um, you know, um, parts of my memoir, obviously this one, I tried, I Google searched her. I tried to find out if and there was, she had no digital footprint whatsoever. I mean, I didn't know if she was married, divorced, where she lived. I think there might've been a couple things that said that she went into isolation somewhere, I don't know, something there were, and I, I don't know how true or accurate any of it is, but she just, that was it. She was gone from the business. Okay. And... I, I am going to say, cause I did do searching and you could cut this out later on if you don't want to. No, no, it. I think it's interesting. But, I, cause I, yeah, I did find that a place where she, I found a spouse and a place where she lives supposedly yeah. with yeah. a phone number. So I, I, like I said, Katie, if, if you ever see this episode, would love to have you on. <laughs> maybe some healing with Ike now, all these years later. <laughs> well, maybe the mystery could be solved. Right. Learn a little bit so, more about, about what, what what was going on. So if we, I, I might have to reach out one day just to see if she, if she would come on the show. So I'm thinking ratings. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, you always are. Self-serving. <laughs> so I have to, I do have to ask what what was up with the the brain in the glass tube and the telepathic cat? <laughs> so. Oh well, I don't know. The telepathic cat was was it cracked me up. I, I was always seemed to be around uh, some some animal in some way, shape, or form, no matter what I worked on. So the telepathic cat was 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 kind of like I think it was kind of like Star Trek's tricorder. Or you know, which Varian's little wand was also one of those things too. But right. the, the the cat could get us out of a situation, maybe that we needed, uh, you know, we needed help with or or whatever. And it was an it was interesting to have it to have it along. I always like working with animals, um, but the brain, the brain thing, that was just so that was so it was so like it was so like cheap Star Trek in a, in a, in a sense, and and it 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 really amused me. I have to say it amused me. And I, and I, I thought, I, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work, but it actually but then it disappeared. Was, what's that? But then it disappeared. 
Oh, because that was associated with uh, Atlantis. I mean, the, right. yeah, yeah, that was it. We moved when we moved on. It it stayed back there. Because yeah. I thought there was going to be such a huge part of the show when I was watching. I thought this was. Oh, that's be like, very interesting. I had yeah. never actually thought about that. No, it was, it was. Well, we destroyed it um, first and foremost. So that was that was that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the Atlantium episode, we have we with the lasers and I don't remember what Carl Franklin did. I thought it was coming back. I really did. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I thought this was no, going to be a, re no, a recurring. Was... <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. No, I never even heard anything about it after that. But I loved the prop. I loved the prop. The prop was just just absolutely hilarious. I mean, there was guys with pumps where they would pump oh, it up so cool. and they had a valve. They'd bleed that it would just it would deflate. It was a bit. It was a balloon, is what it was with a light in it. Oh, really. Yeah, it was just a balloon. It was rubber. I love hearing, I love hearing that stuff. I love hearing it. It is. And it's so cool inside that plexiglass <laughs> cylinder with the bubbling water oh, around that's it. Very and cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, the prop master, I know the prop master on our show worked on Star Trek too. So oh, it definitely Star has Trek, a Star Trek, Star Trek too, right. the original Star yeah. Trek series. Right. And so he 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 had his shop, his shop where they made made all these things and um i i just i was i just love that stuff i mean i oh, love that here. stuff yeah and the whole um tuning fork you know magic wand that valerian had jared martin had um was so interesting because it was you know i mean these were this was back before you know back when electronics were bulky and heavy and lights <laughs> were hot and to put a light inside something like that was a major was a major device it was it, it 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 got hot in his hand it had wires running out of it that went up his shirt sleeve and down his pants to the power <laughs> source and so he'd hold it up and if he was standing there with it like this he had cords running through wow, his body to wow. operate it and they would dial it up and down and, that is so and cool. <laughs> yeah i mean it was it was great it was great stuff that's one prop i wish i had snuck off with for sure <laughs> yeah oh, did, did you take anything did you take I anything didn't. From no i think about it i did not take anything oh. from that from that show and it, it, it's a shame because it's not like it, it was like the props would come and go and i really didn't think about it like i thought about it on which mountain um which mountain was so important to me and i'm i i'm gonna have to tweet this and show it sometime but I have one of the original harmonicas from from the film that I that I kept. Very cool. Um, and yeah, it sits on a shelf next to uh, next to our television. I, so I see it every night. It's like <laughs> very up there. very cool. Yeah, I I I, tr I truly love that. I truly I truly love it. And well, and yeah. Well, but yeah, Jared, so, you just mentioned Jared Martin, who played who played yeah. Varian. Now, mm -hmm. now remember, I did not know much about the show. I purposely kept it that way until I started watching because I didn't want to spoil anything. <laughs> but when he first appeared, I thought he's going to be this like enigmatic figure who the family won't ever know if they can trust or not. And suddenly he becomes the lead. <laughs> so what was your relationship with him? I mean, as well as Carl Franklin, who played Fred, what was, what was your relationship with like with both of them? They were, I, I, I mean, I was always, uh, other than Katie, so fortunate to work with, super supportive, really smart, caring um, actors that, that, that number one, first and foremost, always was, I never wanted to be treated like a child. I wanted to be treated sure. just like one of the other adults. And, and I think I carried myself that way to a certain extent, because I, I, I just, I loved being around. I loved working with and spending time with uh, with the adult actors and Jared was just as 
you know, interesting and kind of, and introspective and kind as that character was. I mean, it was very much who he was um, as a person. Um, and Carl was just funny. He was hilarious. He and Roddy were both just ab absolutely hilarious. I, 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 I loved, I loved working, working with all of them. And, you know, we, we, you know, we, we got along great. We joked on set, we made fun of stuff and, and tried to, tried to keep it play. You know, we didn't take it super seriously, which is mm -hmm. what we, what we needed to do. But that was what that was fun. We 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 made that fun. I mean, Roddy and I would play around with the dialogue sometimes because it was just hard to say. And I'd give him alternate, you know, lines, and he'd say, "God, yeah, I really like that. Let's do it." And then we just do it. We wouldn't tell anybody. We just <laughs> change up the dialogue sometimes. So um, it, it, they were just they were just great to be around. Easy to be around. It's definitely, it was definitely a fun show. And I'm going to ask about Roddy McDowell now. You know, I'm going to get into him. But, and I want to say as, as a fan and just as a TV viewer, I loved Roddy McDowell. I loved him in Planet of the Apes, loved him on the many Disney films he was in, loved him on Fright Night and every, yeah. everything. Just yeah. so he was he, so he was not a plan for the show at the beginning. He was just came in. They they contacted him after the parent. They wrote off the, like the, the, the parents and the other family members. Yeah, he 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 comes on in essentially the second the second episode because right. it, it's like it was the third. The, the, the pilot the third? was two parts, so oh, it was right, the right, third yes, episode. Right. It was the yeah. third episode yes. for sure. Um, yeah, the third episode, and um, and you know his character was was a new character who was clearly the kind of like you know I I, I don't you know you always need that that curmudgeon or that, you know, that, that character that's going to create some difficulty and conflict in, in your storytelling. And he was there to, to, to suit that purpose. And although he started out much more, um, much more as a much more difficult character in his character, in his, the introduction to him, he became a lot softer as the series went on. But uh, yeah, the Dr. Smith of your show. Yeah, exactly. That was it. That's what I was struggling for yeah. from Lost in Space, the Dr. Smith, yeah. um, which, you know, which just, again, raises the fun factor for for everybody. I mean, if you don't have somebody you're going to occasionally have to fight or you're going to have to save or you're going to have to pull <laughs> out of, uh, you know, a silly, a, a difficult situation within your own cast, then you don't really have anything going on everybody's just fighting whoever we end up running into villain wise but um i don't know i don't know if anyone else was offered the part i don't know if he if it was kind of basically written with him in mind and i and i i was so amazed that he was going to be in it let alone that right. uh, you know they had they had reached out to him to be a part of the show and i he was probably the actor i was most excited in my entire career sure. about wow. meeting um because I loved him too. I mean, Planet of the Apes was just, yeah, it's just another one of those things we talk about it when we talk about movies, but seeing Planet of the Apes in the movie theater, mm -hmm. you know, in 1970 was just like, oh my God, it was just incredible. And, and um, I, I watched everything that I saw him in. I loved him. I loved him in. And he, you know, when I, when I learned that, that he started as a child actor and how green was my Valley, which of course I, I ended up watching during the course of Fantastic Journey just to see him in it because it came happened to be on television during 
you know, on, on one of those, um, you know, one of those other channels that we were talking about. And, and I thought, man, I mean, he's been in this business his entire life and he's still working. He was a huge, um, influence on me in many ways, um, in how I, I looked at my career. Cause I mean, he, and he was, he was like one of those actors that knew how to, how to not only have fun, do his job, be there super professional, but when we weren't working, he knew how to, he knew how to um, occupy his time. And he read constantly. He played crossword puzzles. He was, you know, always had something to do while he was on set. He was never bored. He never got tired of his downtime. He put it to good use. And it was another lesson I, I, I learned from him because, because you do, you spend a lot of time waiting around. I mean, that's, 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 that happens a lot, even though I had school that I could do that I had to do, um, which kept me busy. But then the other times when I would be finished with school and then I'm hanging out with the rest of the adults, I would end up just continuing to, you know, to read. And, and I, I kind of learned a lot of those, a lot of those things uh, from him just about how to, how to manage. Was he, manage was he as day. nice as he appeared to like, Oh my God, else? beyond, beyond, beyond mm -hmm. the way I describe him in my book is I thought I was not a nice I thought I was nice to people on set because I made it a point to always, always, because I loved it so much. And I felt like when he came in, he made me feel like a spoiled child actor, <laughs> <laughs> petulant child actor. He was just that nice. Um, and I, 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 I do, I want to tell this story because I love this story and it's very typical. It's about what a gracious person he can be in, in, in a, in a situation he didn't have to be. His only demand, the only thing he demanded of on set was that no one sit in his personal director's chair. <laughs> he had his own director's chair that he brought with him to work. The um, And we all know what director's chairs look like. Generally speaking, they're, you know, very, there's nothing special about him, but his was white lacquer paint. He had a leather seat in it, a leather back behind it, and big red letters was embroidered Roddy. And well, not Roddy McDowell, just Roddy. So it was like, you walk through where all the chair, all of our chairs were set up. His chair was, um, was prominent. You could not, could not miss it. And what would often happen, what often happened on sets and this never bothered anybody. We would all have our chairs with our names, you know, like stenciled on the back. So we had our chair to go to, then the director had his chair, then the cinematographer had his chair and the screen, you know, the writer, there would be producers chairs that often would not occupy because the producers weren't there. But so everyone had a place to sit when you weren't working, but the crew did not have their own chairs. So it was just a common practice that when the actors were on the set, the crew could sit in the actor's chairs. Usually they wouldn't with the stars, but, um, but it was okay. It never bothered me. It was fine. But Roddy was very adamant that no one sit in his chair ever. He is the only person who needs to sit, who should sit in that chair. And he told everyone this all the time. He made an announcement. Even, even the ADs would make announcements. If they saw someone go and sit in his chair, it's like, no, 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 you can't sit in Ronnie's chair. And that was the only thing he demanded. <laughs> and we had a situation where there was a new crew member who came on the show late in the, late, late in, in the series. And, um, and he ended up sitting in Roddy's chair while we were shooting a scene and Roddy came over and he just, he, he just hadn't gotten the memo. Right. So Roddy just said, Fred, George, whatever his name was, I've forgotten. 
Hmm. Please, I, I only have one thing I ask of people is that no one sits in my chair when I'm even when I'm I'm working and and it's clearly available. So if you wouldn't mind, I would really appreciate it if you wouldn't sit in my chair. And he said, Yeah, fine. Absolutely, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I won't do it. And I have to preface this by saying these were the tall director's chairs, not the short ones close. Right, to right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tall one that you had to kind of step up and sit into. Right. So we went back to shooting the same scene and um, literally camera started rolling and and action was called dialogue started and all of a sudden we heard the loudest crash i've ever heard on a set in my life and everybody ducked because we thought a light fell because this happens on a rare occasion a light won't be tied off well enough and boom oh, it drops to the floor and thankfully i never saw anyone actually got hurt by something like that but when you hear a crash on a soundstage you, you immediately like like duck because right. you don't know what's coming behind it and all of a sudden we all turned and we saw the 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 grip flat on the floor the chair was splintered and broken <laughs> into multiple pieces because this was a big guy i mean he wasn't like he, he wasn't like me he was a big guy and it was like out of a scene of a movie the entire set just parted like the red sea and oh made, a, <laughs> made a made it made a made space for roddy to go deal with this and <laughs> roddy walked over very slowly actually helped him get up off the ground <laughs> and he said and that young man is why i don't want anyone else sitting in my chair <laughs> and he just started blubbering and blathering and saying my god i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> and and Roddy then said, I'm going to get you a card for the man who made this, and I expect you to have it replaced for me, and we won't wow. talk any more about it after that. <laughs> and this poor guy, I don't even could not imagine how much this chair cost. But within a week, Roddy had his new chair there, wow. and he never, he never bothered him about it again. They got along fine. That's just how, that's just how cool, cool he was. And I thought, man, anybody else would have the guy fired, you know, because I mean, you know, it's, you can't be much clearer than please don't sit in my chair. And yet he did it anyway. And we were just like, oh, my God, what a huge mistake. But that's what Roddy was like. And I, I loved him. I loved him. We we um, we stayed we stayed in contact um, after after working for many, many years. And um, yeah, and he was always. He was always one. He sent me Christmas cards every year. And, oh, and, and not to be just, a jerk, yeah. you also have a great Roddy McDowell story in your memoir, which people will read later, but you do have one in there. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I do. We we really he was he was probably one of the best friends I ever made That's good. Um, from anyone I ever I ever worked with. And um, and and, you know, it's interesting having friendships that last beyond working on a on a film. There was one other relationship like that i had um that was with Al alfred woodard after cross creek we stayed very oh, close nice. friends for a very long time um yeah and she she was a dear i i i i truly i truly loved her not only as an actress but one of the best one of the just the best people i've i've ever met let alone worked with and we spent a lot of time together um after shooting cross creek for for quite a long time and so she was another one but roddy was was just one of those people that we were able to kind of maintain because 
you know, a set is in an interesting space. You're there to work, you're there under pressure, you're, you're all there for a common purpose. And then when that common purpose is gone, I found it very awkward to just say, you know, Hey, what are you up to? It's, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people have stayed friends with the people they've, they've worked with. And I can see after working, when you're on a series, those relationships last for years. And so you do become friends when you're doing a guest spot on something or doing a movie, it's a number of, a number of weeks or a couple of months. And then, and then, you know, and then you're moving on to other things. So it, they don't, for me, they didn't, never really quite worked out that way, but Roddy, Roddy was, was like that. He was just an amazing man. You, you know, my wheels are already spinning about reaching out to Alfred Woodard now. So just, <laughs> so, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. But, so now you bring up an interesting thing here. So you work with, you work with like, some giants in the industry over your career, like Roddy McDowell, Ray Milan, you know, Eddie Albert, and later Betty Davis, Christopher Lee. It, was it all right for you to go over and, and ask them like questions about their career? Was that considered like taboo on the set? The, the interesting thing from is that I, I just didn't do it. It was kind of, it was, I wouldn't say taboo. It was just bad form. That's um, what I was wondering. Okay. And, and, if I could have asked, so I would have been, tell me about this. Tell me about that. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, because then, then you're interfering with the job and sure. you're, you're turning into a fan, mm -hmm. which, which is, there's nothing wrong with being a fan or having fans, but you're there, you're in Not a work filming. environment. And I always felt sure. like there was just a professional boundary where, um, where I, I didn't cross it. And the one time I did cross it and I've told the story before yeah. was, was with Gary Lockwood and it really backfired on me in a way that I didn't expect. Um, and so, and so I don't know that that was, that, that experience was what did it for me, but just, I, I just, I just never felt like it was, it was appropriate. And, um, you know, and yet, and yet some performers really wanted to share about their experiences in, in some way. And I worked with Pat O'Brien on a Disney a project called the sky's the limit and pat o'brien played newt rockney and um you know father flanagan and he was a very very famous studio actor back in the 40s and 50s and he liked to talk about his career and he actually just one day we were talking i don't know newt rockney had been on it's just so funny i would work with people and then their movies would be on and i ended up watching it and i'd never seen it before so i told him i had watched it over the weekend and he was so pleased he was so incredibly pleased that i was interested because I was 12 years old. It's great. You know, he was so pleased. And then I swear to God, it was the strangest thing. I most interesting thing I'd ever experienced where he just, he just, he launched into the monologue. He did the big one, oh, for, the wow. Gipper, the one for the Gipper, that famous, <laughs> That's really like cool. one of the most famous monologues right. <laughs> in all of film history. And he performed it for me right there. We were just sitting next to each other. And it just always, I get emotional when I think about it. Cause I That's was just like, awesome. my jaw was, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, there are times when they drop their own boundaries and, uh -huh. but you just don't feel like you, you, I, you know, you have to see if they do, do it. That. You have to. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I felt that way. That's how I felt. I don't know how other people are. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um. <laughs> well, we're getting to some of the, the guest stars that you had on. I mean, first of all, like, like I mentioned before, with with some of the others with the brain, you had like Gary Collins, Marianne Mobley, and Ian McShane. I thought all of them were going to be in the show again. None of them were. So I, I thought no. all these are going to be like come back. Like yeah. these villains are going to come back. But uh, but you also had like now again, 
as a teenager, I would have been going nuts. You had Cheryl Ladd, Joan Collins. <laughs> what do you remember about any of them, <laughs> about any of the guest stars that you had on? I, I, I had a massive crush on Cheryl Ladd. I don't mind admitting it. I tweet about it. Um, I, I, I just, she was, uh, and I don't even remember how old she was when she did it. And that was one of her first um, mm. um, act, acting roles in television. I think she might've done a few things before. I, I can't really remember because I could, that might not be accurate, but she was unknown. She wasn't known. Right. Um, but she, <laughs> it's like, I hate to go into these kinds of things necessarily, but it always fascinates me. There are some people who are, more beautiful in real life than they are actually on screen and she was one of those people mm -hmm. and i and, and i say this about men as well there are other actors that i just thought they were they were so they were they were just so there was just something about them that was actually um was more prominent or more evident when you met them in person than it was when you when you saw them in a film um and she was one of those people she just i just i had a terrible crush on her and she didn't do anything to discourage it. And it was very sweet. I mean, she, she made a young teenage boy, you know, uh, feel, feel, feel quite, feel, feel quite confident, which was, which was nice. So that, that was a lovely, that was a lovely thing. Joan Collins, she was a great, she was a great lady. I, I don't remember anything specific about her one way or, or, or the other, but I remembered her from Star Trek. I remember, right, I right. knew her from other things I'd seen. So it was exciting to have her on the show. John Saxon. It was so exciting to have him on the show. Um, and many of the other people. I mean, Richard Jekyll uh, was in our last episode, an Academy Award winning actor. I'd worked with him on a Disney project as well. And so just to have these caliber of these actors as guest stars on my series was just heady. It was heady, heady stuff. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this now again, and I want to preface it because I, I don't, because I know you were in it, and and I know there are tons of fans of the show. I mean, really, tons of fans. And I was surprised every single time that you you post like how many comments on Fantastic Journey, how much they love the show, and I missed out on it as a kid. And I know that I would have loved the show back then there too, and I'm enjoying it now. But I, I have to say, I'm looking at it with adult eyes now, mm -hmm. and it annoys me at what could have been with the show because it, it seems like that from episode to episode a lot of times that they were just throwing things out there to see what would stick instead of going with one vision throughout the show so i was just was that due to like network interference like change this change that it didn't seem like they gave the writers like to me like time to like form their vision straight through i mean even from the first couple of episodes it changed in episode three like we were talking about the you know there were going to be places in the past and that that cut cut out also you know quickly so yeah. do you think the network kept saying you know i want this i want that and the, the writers was just scrambling to like you know fix what the the network wanted well i know they were scrambling from the, from not the beginning, because I would imagine that that Bruce and Leonard had very, uh, you know, a clear idea where where they wanted the series to go, because you can't pitch a, you can't pitch a series. Well, I know those producers were so huge; they may have been able to to just pitch a pilot and figure it out as they move along. But usually, you're going to pitch, you know, ten episodes deep, or at least have an outline of where you want the episodes to go and the kind of adventures your characters are going to go on. And so, when the network changed its mind about the theme then yeah, they, I think they did have to scramble. And I think that was probably part of what 
if if it suffered for that if if it suffered creatively that would have been i think part of a, a, a root cause of it because all of a sudden now you're making up a whole new science fiction show after you've already established an idea of a concept in a pilot and I, 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 it's interesting to hear your take on it uh, from this perspective, because I'm too close to it to kind of see what missed opportunities there 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 might have been. Because um, the liked, concept is fantastic. I mean, just yeah, looking no, at I, it. yeah. I mean, I liked you know I liked some of the things where 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 where, where the episodes went, um, but it, yeah, it seemed it seemed for a time. It just seemed for a time zone show that we never went into the past was just didn't make sense. I mean, it didn't, it didn't make sense. We were always bouncing from, and, and was it really, were they really time zones? I mean, where do these people come from? I mean, yes, right. conceptually you're saying this is the Bermuda triangle. Obviously you've got to be in that part of the planet to get trapped on this Island. You just don't get um, teleported there from your planet. And yet there were this whole civilizations that were, <laughs> that we were encountering you know with with you know populations and armies and buildings and you know all of, all of yeah so it, it 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 i agree with you i think it suffered for not having a really strong spine of what it was going to be um and i think they were i think the writers were kind of scrambling you know let's we got, we got to come up with something and they they came up with what they came up with but i liked some of the some of the ideas i really did like i liked the whole um the that the interesting three characters at the you know the abandoned um um carnival it wasn't a carnival but the um yeah the 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 amusement park i thought that was a very eerie show i really liked it and um and you know, just some of the other ones were, were very interesting but all in all i was having a great time i was having fun oh for um, sure. i didn't i, could see I that. didn't yeah <laughs> i didn't think about it too much what i did think about was when we were preempted and the, the shows weren't airing and everyone everyone felt that on the set that mm -hmm. that causes great stress because i do mention it in my book but um crews everybody reads the trades if you're working on a show everybody else's everyone's got a steady job that show right. goes away everyone's got to look for you know for their next gig so everyone has a vested interest and so there was this it's, feeling on the set 100 100 because people would talk about it they'd say god i can't believe it got, we got preempted again yeah i know when's the next episode airing i don't know i guess we're just gonna have to watch and see when they start to promote wow. it you know, or, or whatever. And so that just, that leaves you a bit deflated. And um, because we all, I, even at 13 years old, um, knew that much about the industry and, and what that, what that, it, what the implications of, of that were. None of us were very optimistic. We were going to get picked up. What we didn't expect was to get canceled before we finish shooting well, that's what, at what point do you start thinking we, we might not get picked up at what point in the show did you start well, having that when, feeling when you see the ratings i mean you know the rate if you're at the bottom of the ratings um unless a network and these things happen we've had guests on our show that talk about these exact occurrences if Go you've ahead. got a network executive or the head of the network whose child sees something and says 
daddy, I really like that show. Well, heaven and earth gets moved to make sure that show has a chance. So it's some things like that happen. And at other times it's a strict business decision. If it's not the range are low, it's not making money. You can't sell ads and you, you don't, especially with only three networks, um, you can't allow a show to continue as an act of charity to, uh, to everyone who's working on it. Uh, you, you've got to have viewership. And if you don't have the viewership, if you can see that, you can pretty much know now nah, it's, it's, it's not going to go again. Unless, for like I said, there's some other reason and someone really, really believes in the show and they really want to give it a chance and they're going to infuse new energy and in, in, in effort into its success. Um, you can tell we could all tell we could all tell like but like i said we didn't expect to get you know fired <laughs> before we before we finished shooting all 12. so when when were you notified oh on on the set the 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 the, the 10th episode shooting the 10th episode the producers came down and said we've been this canceled yeah this is our last episode oh wow i'm sorry to tell you guys this but uh, you know have a good time get it done and um Thank you so much for you know all your hard work. It's just that kind oh, of oh, what a terrible feeling as you're filming. Yeah, and then it. you're walking around going, oh wow, okay, wow, wow, you know. So yeah. <laughs> oh, what a dreary atmosphere to continue filming now yep. afterwards. Yep. So, but now they, you just said they only they only filmed ten. Did you see scripts for the other three at all, or no? Were there I don't think any? I I don't think I got the last two because uh, they I exist. Get, they must. They 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 must. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how the production timeline worked. I don't know how how far in advance the scripts were written. Usually they have to be weeks in advance because there's prep work that has to be done before you do a show, and you know props and sets built and locations found and and planning that goes along with that. So I have to assume they were written, but we just did not. The actors just didn't get them. We we would get our script for the following week the while we were shooting the show we were shooting then we would get one delivered that we were going to be then working on the next week so you know we didn't have scripts piled up all over the place but um so i'm, I'm assuming they were written so i'm curious you know if, if you knew what was going to happen next after the you I, don't know no. you know yeah. and if i was told i have no recollection yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So did you, you, we mentioned the others, you, you, and I, you, you know, Katie Saylor, you le left and you didn't hear from again. You kept in contact with Roddy McDowell. And, and I know you, you recently spoke to briefly to Carl Franklin. Did you ever speak to uh, Jared Martin at all after the series at all? Yeah, not? we actually worked together again on Wonder Woman. Um, oh, cool. We yeah. did. Uh, yeah. The Phantom Roller Coaster. And see, I have to double check this too. I, I keep hearing that that was the last Wonder Woman episode which I don't know that that's true, but it, that was a, it was a big, fun, two-part two Wonder Woman. And Jared played this uh, very interesting character who was highly compromised. He was a roller coaster designer. And, and I ended up, again, teen in jeopardy, you know, falling through some trap door on the floor into the dungeons of this amusement park where he hides and works because he's like the Phantom of the Opera. He's a disfigured character. And um, and we had a great we had a great time uh, getting back together, and it was uh, it was it was just it was just really fun. It was like old home week for for he and I. And um, but I mean, outside of that, the the other the other the only other time I saw him was many years later for a an actual fantastic journey 
um, uh, fan convention that was uh, that was hosted in England, and I don't remember what town it was in, but both Jared and I, um, you know, and I don't know if Carl had been invited, but decided not to attend. But both Jared and I wanted to attend, and so we were we were there together and just surrounded by nothing but fantastic Journey fans. And it was really a lot of fun. It was really a lot of fun. Well, that, now um, that brings up the next question. Now, when did you start seeing that this, you know, this really wasn't like a failed show because it had achieved this like big cult status? When did you first start realizing that? Well, I knew, um, I knew it was going to have some classic legs, if you will, when the Sci-Fi Channel uh, first came on on. And it's so funny because we're showing our age by saying came on the air because nothing comes <laughs> on the air anymore. It all goes through a cable in the ground. But uh, but when Sci-Fi Channel became part of the cable lineup, um, in order in, in order for them to have any content, uh, they were licensing every every 70s sci-fi show ever, Battlestar Galactica, um, you know, Star Trek, they were playing because Star Trek plays everywhere and they picked up Fantastic Journey and they were running it to death. They were running the show over and over and over and over and over again for a good year or two, as I recall, until their original shows started slotting in and taking over. And then now, of course, they're all original. They don't really, I don't think they really show any, any older shows anymore, but man, it was like, everybody was like, God, did you know Fantastic Journey is playing? I said, yes, yes. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And so it, it either picked up its cult um, following during that time period with all the science fiction fans that wanted to enjoy this new cable channel. Plus, people that remembered the show wanting to see it again and they had no other way to see it because um you know it had just disappeared and then once it was off the sci-fi channel um a number of companies were trying to release the series on dvd and somehow i don't know it was because of the sci-fi channel deal or another deal that was happening that happened after that the rights to the show were tied up in legal problems. Oh wow! <laughs> so no one could no one could secure them to officially release the DVDs, and 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 so the DVD that's out that you can buy, I don't know that it's an actual legitimate. Oh really? Yeah, And I own it. I bought it. Um, it's actually pretty good quality, which I which I was uh, impressed by because all of my episodes and anything you see me post, if I post clips or images from the episodes, are from my Betamax tapes right, right. that I recorded when it was first on the air. So they're a little crunchy and you know low res and don't look that great, but I still have them on that format. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about like say something <laughs> has not been done appropriately when perhaps it has, and I'm just ignorant. Um, are there so, any specials on the DVD yeah. or just basic? No, you know, not that I, episodes? not that, not that I saw. Not, not, no, not, not, not that I saw at all. Um, oh, but I'm cool. glad to know that it's available out there on a on a free uh, streaming service. That's great. Yeah, so, I've been watching it on yeah. Plex. Like I said, if everyone wants yeah. to go see it, uh, I, you know, I was going to get the DVD set, and then I, I saw that it is on uh, this streaming service. Yeah. So uh, people <clears> can go watch it there. I would love to see a DVD with special features on it. I don't know if they'll ever do that, but yeah. So. 
Yeah. Not, not like you, like you said, unfortunately, not too many of you left. So that's uh, that's the, the which is so the, weird to say. It's like, oh my gosh, you don't you know you don't start feeling old till everyone around you is passing. You know, from 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 the passing from the past. So right, but it, no, yeah, I, but it's true. It's true. Uh, the, now, do you do you do you still go back? How often do you go back and watch the episodes? I haven't watched them since I wrote um, I, I wrote my memoir because um, I needed to. I needed to refresh my memory refresh and memory. kind of reimmerse myself back into it, um, which is one of the things that I that I truly love about those memories for me, um, because uh, it seemed like the shows that I watched more frequently were the ones that um, that that I remembered more about um so sometimes i'll see things that i don't remember doing and uh because i i, I just haven't watched them that much i watched fantastic journey a few times and mm -hmm. then this time around i sat down with my wife because she'd never seen the show obviously right. and and we watched them together and that was fun so but it, it's been a while but i i don't i don't know that it's something i will sit down and do again unless I need to for a specific reason or, you know, some years from now, I might just want to re like you said, revisit it. You still get uh, calls for conventions to represent fantastic journey. Um, no, no. Well, I mean, yes, they, 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 people still want autographs from that show and which is, which is nice. So I always have material that, that I can offer people um, mm -hmm. from that show when, when, um, when I do it, when I do a convention for, for sure because i mean it, it, it is it's like it it's it does have a cult following it has a massive cult following in england more so than anywhere else because that's where that convention was um was was hosted and that was the thing that blew jared and i away it was like good gosh who knows this show and this was before sci-fi channel i think i don't know you know what i have to check the chronology i can't exactly remember but um but yeah, I mean, fans love it. I, I always, I always get, I always get, you know, quite a lot of people who say they fondly remember the show. They enjoy it. They love it. It, it, it went away too soon. It was canceled too soon. And, and I couldn't agree more. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. And that's, well, that's one of the things that I, I've seen. That's what surprised me always. I told you was just seeing the level of engagement, any post having to do with fans, not just your post, but like you mentioned, like, you know, other, other, you know, other, uh, Twitter handles that that post like classic TV things, they post a fantastic journey, and I see all these comments on it. I see all these likes on it, and uh, when I posted on social media earlier this week about fantastic journey, everyone started putting their I put it all over the place, and everyone started giving me like you know what they wanted to see and <laughs> what questions to ask, which I think we got we did cover all their awesome. questions. <laughs> but, but awesome, you know, that's great. I was I was surprised. So what just ended up here what what are your thoughts what are your overall thoughts on the show you know looking back on it now what do you remember most and you know about it i just remember i just remember having such a great time and and really it's my relationships with everybody i worked with that 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 i that i really value i mean they're great memories for me and 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 it it, it was it, it was so it was so exciting to finally have booked a series hmm. i was just terribly disappointed when it ended because it meant i i had to you know i had to go go back out and start auditioning again um and but i i i just i love doing science fiction i love being a part of that and and making all that 
sometimes silly stuff seem real for the for the audience and 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 playing with it i mean look i i was a kid that got to play uh like no other like very few children get to play i mean who how many how many kids get to play real space real ray gun real <laughs> real alternate universe uh games with uh with grown-ups it just it's it's very rare so that's and, and i i'm just i'm just happy i'm just so i i am so honored to be a part of people's memories and, mm -hmm. a, and a part of something that they enjoy so much and and really getting a chance to reach out even primarily just on social media share share things with people um you know anecdotes and little details and and things like that and and hearing back how how fondly they remember uh these things especially fantastic journey i mean witch mountain is almost a given because it's it's sure. you know it's hugely out there and and this one is a little bit more um in its own uh classic lane but it's just it's just it's 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 just an honor. It's just an honor. Yeah. Well, like you said, I, this is my first time seeing it, and I've I've definitely been enjoying it. I, the, one of the things is, I am upset that it was not on longer. I really, I really <laughs> am. So it's like we're like you know I'm almost at the end, and like I'm getting I am getting upset. Like you know there's only a couple of episodes left for for me to watch, <laughs> knowing what I know know now, and uh, and also now that you know speaking to you that there wasn't like really an end to the series and that's that kind of upsets me as well so, yeah it just it just gets cut off it's like it's just one more episode and then boom that's it nothing no resolution <laughs> of any kind yep I, I i had enough heartbreak with shows that i loved as a kid getting upset so maybe it's better that i didn't watch it back then <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but, but this was fun uh, i hope i hope we answered all your fantastic journey questions i hope i got i got covered everything that you wanted to know <laughs> and uh but leave leave in the comments and if we didn't cover something we will try to answer it then so ike thank you for taking the time today to do this i, I know we've been i've been looking forward to this so i know the fans have been looking forward to this but this was fun me too oh i had a blast i had a blast i'm i'm i always enjoy sharing uh sharing these stories so i appreciate it and i hope everybody had a good time <laughs> again this has been pop culture retro i'm jonathan rosen along with ike eisenman and please subscribe Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.